You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Recording by Richard Elwood. Earth, the Marauder, by Arthur J. Burks. Chapter 21, Cubes of Chaos. Sarka raced into the observatory, wondering as he ran how the attack of the Martians would manifest itself, but scarcely prepared for the brilliant display which greeted his gaze. Compared to the oncoming flames from Mars, the preceding display of lights had been as nothing. The whole heavens between the Earth and Mars seemed alight with an unearthly glare, as though the very heart of the sun had burst and hurled part of its flaming mass outward into space. On it came with unbelievable speed, but there was no telling yet the form of the things which were coming. "'What are they?' whispered Jaska, standing fearlessly at Sarka's side. "'Interplanetary cars? Rockets? Balls of fire? Or beings of Mars?' "'I think,' said Sarka, after studying the display for a few minutes, "'that they are either rockets or fireballs, perhaps both together.' But the Martians cannot consolidate any position on the Earth without coming to hand-grips. Since they must know this, we can expect to see the people of Mars themselves when, or soon after, those balls of fire strike the Earth. Sarka raced back to the room of the Master Barrel as a strident humming came through to him. The spokesmen of the Gens whose borders touched those of the devastated Dalius area were reporting again, and their voices were high-pitched with fear that threatened to break the bounds of sanity. The ferment in the devastated area, was the gist of their report, is assuming myriads of shapes. The fused mass is broken up into isolated masses, and each mass of itself is assuming one of the many forms. What forms? snapped Sarka. Quickly! Cubes! Thousands and millions of cubes, and the cubes themselves are forming into larger cubes, some square, some rectangular. In the midst of these formations are others, mostly columnar, each column consisting of cubes which have coalesced into the larger form from the same small cubes. The columnar formations are topped by globes, which emit an ethereal radiance. Listen! Sarka's voice was vibrant with excitement. Spokesmen of the Gens, make sure that every individual member of your Gens is fully equipped with flying clothing, including belts and ovoids, prepared for an indefinite stay outside on the roof of the world. Get your people out swiftly, keeping them in formation. Keep about you these people of Dalius whom I sent you, and understand before you break contact with your barrels that instructions received from these people come from me. In turn, after you have quitted the hives, anything you wish to say to me you can repeat to any of the glowing people of the Dalius. The contacts were broken. Sarka stared into the barrel, glancing swiftly in all directions to see whether his orders were obeyed. Out of the myriads of hives were flying the people of all the Gens of Earth, their vast numbers already darkening the roof of the world. The advance fires from Mars seemed to have no effect on them, which Sarka had expected, since the fires seemed to consume nothing they had touched previously. By millions the people came forth, people dressed in the clothing of this Gens or that, wearing each the insignia of the house of his spokesman. A brave show. 
Sarka could see the faces of many, now in light, now in shadow, as the advance fires of Mars lighted them for a moment in passing, then left them in shadow as the bursting balls of fire faded and died. Strange, too, that the fireballs made no noise. Noiseless flame which rebounded from the surface of the earth broke in silence, deluging the heavens with shooting stars of great brilliance. Through its display flew the people of the Gens, mustering in flight above flight, each to his own level, under command of the spokesmen of the Gens. "'How long, father?' queried Sarka. "'Should it take to empty the Gens' areas?' "'The people of Earth have been waiting for word to go into battle since we first sent the people of Dalius against the Moon Men. They still are ready. The dwellings of our people, all of them, can be emptied within an hour. I wonder, mused Sarka, if that is soon enough. Perhaps yes, perhaps no. It would be a race in any case. Sarka divided his attention between the rapidly changing formations of the moon cubes in that devastated area and the onrushing charge of the fireballs from Mars. All were visible to him through the master barrel and from the observatory, though the Martian fireballs were now so close that the vanguard of them could be seen even in the master barrel, adjusted to view only activities on the surface of the earth. Even as the last flights of the Gens of Earth were slipping into the icy air from the roof of the world, the moon cubes began their terrifying, appalling attack, every detail of which could be seen by Sarka from the master barrel. Those columns, composed of cubes, seemed to be the leaders of a vast cube army. The top of each of them was a gleaming globe whose eerie light played over the country immediately surrounding each column, their weird light reflected in the squares, rectangles, and globes that other cubes had formed. Sarka sought swiftly among the columns for the one which might conceivably be in supreme command, but even as he sought the moon cubes moved to the attack. The globes on the tops of the columns dimmed their lights, and the squares, rectangles, and globes got instantly into terrible motion. Southward, from the position in which they had formed, they began to move, the squares and rectangles apparently sliding along the surface of the scarred and broken soil, the globes rolling. Southward there was the vast wall of the Gens that bordered the devastated area in that direction, and the cube army was instantly at full charge toward this, in what Sarka realized was to be the War of Demolition. Within a minute Sarka was conscious of a trembling of all the laboratory, and the eyes of Jaska were wide with fear. Swiftly the trembling grew, until sound now was added to the vast awesome tremor, a vast roaring crescendo of sound that mounted and mounted as the speed of the cube army increased. The vanguard of the cube army struck the dwelling of the Gen southward of that of Dalius, and a mighty rocketing roar sounded in the master barrel, was audible inside the laboratory, even without the aid of the barrel, at whose surface Sarkis stared as a man fascinated hypnotized. The cube army struck the dwellings, disappeared into them as though they had been composed of tissue paper, and continued on. 
Over the tops of the cube army toppled the roofs of the dwellings, there in the midst of the cubes, to be ground to powder with a sound as of a million avalanches grinding together in some awesome sun-sized valley. Southward, in the wake of the chaotic charge, moved a mighty gigantic crevice, whose sides were the walls of the hives left standing. And still the cube army moved on, grinding everything it touched to dust, trampling buildings into nothingness, destroying utterly along a front hundreds of miles wide, and as deep as the dwellings of men. "'God!' cried Sarka, his voice so tense that both his father and Jaska heard it, above the roaring which shook and rocked the world. "'Do you see? The moon-cubes are destroying the dwelling of our people, and the Martians are to destroy the people who have fled!' "'There must be a way,' said Sarka the second quietly, "'to circumvent the cubes. But what? "'Your will still rules the cubes which piloted you from the moon?' "'Yes,' replied Sarka tersely. "'But there are only a dozen of the cubes. "'What can they do against countless millions of them? "'Cubes which are moon-cubes brought to the earth in the heart of that blue column, "'here reformed to create an army which is invincible, because it cannot be slain?' It means that the moon people themselves, thousands of miles out of reach, have but to sit in comfort and watch their cube slaves destroy us. When they have laid waste the earth, the Martians have but to finish the fight. If, beloved, said Jaska, your will commands those twelve cubes, it can also command all the others, for they must be essentially the same. Call on the rebels of Dalius to help you. Then what of the spokesmen of the Gens, who will be out of contact with me? They must stand on their own feet, must fight their own battle. Call to you the people who have passed through the white flames, and fight with the distant will of Luar, and of Dalius for control of the cube army. Again that exultation which convinced him he could move mountains with his two hands coursed through the being of Sarka. Quietly, he answered Jaska. I believe you are right, he said softly. Those of us who have passed through the flames which bore these moon cubes will control the cubes, even bend them to our will. The spokesmen must vanquish the Martians or perish. Then he sent his mental commands to the spokesmen. Meet the Martians when they arrive and destroy or drive them back. You live only if you win. We speak no more until victory is ours. People of the Gens of Dalius, go to the areas being devastated by the cubes, taking your cubes and air cars with you, and I will join you there, and Jaska with me. Sarka had not himself mentally spoken the last four words. Jaska had thought spoken them before he could prevent. He turned upon her, lip-shaping a command that she remain behind, but she forestalled him. I, too, have been through the white flames. You may have need of all of us. End of section 24 Recording by Richard Elwood, 